Hey guys, this is John Domine, and welcome to this week's episode of In the Spray Room, Sold Magazine's podcast with some of the art community's best and brightest. Today's In the Spray Room panel is composed of myself, John Domine, Bike Girl, hello, and Brooklyn's own Big Ronnie. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Before we get started with our special guest, Big Ronnie, what do we have going on? Well, I don't want to jump into our special guest, but I'm going to. We're going to skip the topics. We're going to skip, skip picking on you. Uh, let's well, just let's just we're gonna put that on the back burner. Everybody we're not going to say ah ha ha like I picked on John and just pretend it happened. But we're going to get into it with our special guest, uh, Al Diaz. Hello, hello. Thank you very much for coming in today. Uh, you had a nice long commute, right? You were a whole half a neighborhood no, no, away. No, no, yeah, a whole half a neighborhood away. I was about twenty something blocks away. So, well, that's good because uh, the Bay Ridge R train thwarted our co-host today. They were a little. Shuttle bus and, uh, you know... Actually, drunk. you know what? Those shuttle buses work good because they have a lot of them. So you don't have to Yeah, wait. they do, actually. They, they do. They yeah. like every couple of minutes. So it's pretty consistent. Now, yeah. the MTA, as a fellow New Yorker, as I am, has been a bane of your existence since life, right? Since life. Since ever... It used to be slow. Now it's just as slow. <laughs> <laughs> now... You, for our, our listeners who uh, don't know to catch, catch them up a little bit about you, you are one of the original, uh, you know, uh, writers in New York City. Well, I, I mean, original and, you know, I was early generation, yeah, first generation in, in that sense. I mean, there was quite a few guys that started before me, but um, I'm part of the first wave of graffiti to be, you know, more accurate about it, yeah. I mean, I was pretty young, and it was... In its inception, it was in its early stages. We were still figuring it out. Now, how how much of it at the time was uh, you know because so much of it today is is culture and it's internal artistry needing to get out. It's an artist needing to get up. It's a guy needing to show you know that he's doing something out there. But what was the breakdown back then? Like like because the the culture was just growing. Well, it was yeah for yeah we were I mean you know the the language was being formed you know the idea of tagging actually tagging came came later hitting is what we we referred to it as and it was it was more it was a, more of a pissing contest kind of thing it was not uh, an aesthetic thing you know it was I mean it had those elements. But it was more, it was very male-oriented, and it was more like, you know, like, I'm going to get my name up more than you. And then later on, it was, I'm going to make my name look nicer than yours. But it was a very competitive, almost sport-like activity. And it was... It is a sport. Well, I'm glad that some people still feel Um, that way. But it was definitely, it was not, it was not... um, It was an extreme sport. Yeah, it it was, yeah, and it was, it wasn't... um, it, it wasn't motivated so much by you know someone wanting to express themselves artistically, or the, we were not quite aware of that. If if that was an element that was, it was really for for me. It was I wanted to be one of the guys. I wanted it was a cool thing. It was uh, unusual. It wasn't. It, I mean, you know, if you if you're not particularly talented at ball sports, you could do this, you know. And it was it was something different. Now, John, this is interesting to me at the time as the culture is growing because it wasn't like artists coming out today where they say, "Oh, I see people making money. I know it's possible for me to turn this into a profession, turn this into a lifestyle." Coming up back then. There were what was there was the, that there was, was pro- the probably the fur- the, the furthest thing from your imagination was that you would ever ever 
make a nickel from it. That was not it, it was it wasn't even part of the It wasn't know. your motivation on it any level. It certainly was on any level. It wasn't even in the conversation. It just you know, I mean to make money it, it's just very foreign, you know, to doing that, you know. It's like I'm going to go to my 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 part-time job and then go writing afterwards. There's, yeah, there was no uh monetizing it back you know the the concept wasn't was non-existent. So how about somebody that <clears throat> from those days that that did think in that direction? Like who was the first guy coming up that you know found a way, you know, not not to run from the cops all the time for his art? Um I think it's it kind of got late. In the, well, I mean, it, first of all, it was it was an outsider to the to the culture who formed the United Graffiti Artists in 1973. That was Hugo Martinez, who was like a sociology uh, student from Colombia. I think I'm not sure what school he was, but he lived on the Upper West Side, and he saw this, and he he saw the potential, and got the uh, you know the guys from Washington Heights, a couple of guys from Brooklyn. City citywide writers together to form a uh, a collective that was you know they were hired by the Joffrey the the toilet to do a, a, a backdrop for Twyla Tharp in, in seventy three or or four so that and then he had the first gallery show in Soho when Soho was still you know a, a truck depot in nineteen seventy three it was at the Razor Gallery which was the first actual gallery show. He, uh, showing graffiti on canvas. It was members of the United, United Graffiti Artists and some, some guys from what was known as Writer's Corner, 188th Street, the first yeah. group of, of guys from... Uh, well, they're covered in wall writers. Uh, Roger Gassman's film, Wall Writers, um, discusses that group of writers. But they were early, arguably, the, the, the spawning ground of graffiti of New York graffiti culture. Probably at the same time that Cornbread was doing his thing in Philly. And I don't even know if those people were aware of each other. Or if the Brooklyn guys like the Vanguards and Dino Nod and the early Brooklyn writers who had a completely different style of writing were aware of, of the Well, there was no in, internet. So unless right, you were actually I mean, traveling But you know what the internet was? Was the subway. You yeah, know, that was your. But that I mean, was if the, you're talking about the, Philly versus well, New York, you would well, only yeah. know if you were going back and forth, right? Because right, it's right. not like mainstream, not like the picture would show up in the New York Times. But there's, there's that. I mean, like, like I think T Rex, one T Rex, and 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 Purple Haze, those guys who were doing the Philly platform style early on, they may have had a New York Philly connection. You know, how, like in the Chinese community, there's there's a lot of intercity traveling. Yeah, you know, there's probably there was probably some of that. With the black community, so they were going from Philly to New York for whatever, for working reasons, for family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's that's how I found out about graffiti from the Lower East Side, because the Lower East Side was was there was it was not a, a graffiti neighborhood until later. Um, the only graffiti you saw down there was you know the old somebody loves somebody or gang graffiti, but there was no name and number graffiti. And it was because I would go and visit my cousin Gil up in Washington Heights that I, I saw this stuff and I was like blown away. I said, like, this is some cool stuff. This doesn't exist downtown. As a result, I was one of the first writers to be visible in the Lower East Side. It was me and, four, and three other guys. Me and my partner, who was my best friend, Alvin. He wrote Snake. 
And I, I told him it was important for him to write Snake 3, not Snake, any old Snake. Why? They were, because Snake 1, Eddie, Eddie Rodriguez, who I happen to know, for, for, you know since back then, who was a, a close friend of my cousin's, he wrote uh, Snake 1. And it, was, it, was, uh, it became a thing for a lot of writers to write 1 and 2. This way, no one could take two. So you had one and two. So it was a strategy of keeping, you know. The <laughs> Never heard that. That's dope. Oh, no, yeah, that's dope. totally. That's, that's, cool. a, that's, like that's a writer's the, corner that's thing. That's like buying yeah. up the ultimate yeah. domain names for your Yeah, name. exactly. Same that's thing. exactly. 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 I got it already. You can't write it. It's, right. a, it's a, yeah, owning the domain name. <laughs> so we, we did, I did that. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I've got uh, old photographs of Bomb 1 and 2. But it was it was purely because did, the did guys in the wa- did Washington. Did he write Snake 3? Uh, he wrote Snake 3, yeah. And he was my partner for a nice. long time. And we became highly visible in the Lower East Side. We had very little competition. And at the same time, we were turning on other kids to writing. So I kind of, you know, I was instrumental in, in, in uh, import-export the, the, the culture to the Lower East Side. Within a year or two of our starting, it, got, it, it became, I mean, there were guys getting influenced by guys up in Spanish Harlem, all over. So it, it wasn't... Well, it's I'm, not like there weren't a, not a lot of walls that you could hit, and there's like not a lot of people in Not areas. a lot of competition. Yeah. Right? And then there was two other guys who, who, who I eventually met. It was two guys who had family up in Harlem, and they were spending a lot of time up in Harlem. So that's how it happens. It's, it's always, you know people traveling and generally at, at that age it was for family reasons because you know we were pretty young guys you know we were i was 12 so yeah nine know. to 14 yeah was that was the average, was the, age. The average yeah. age it was nine yeah. to 14 you see john Nor's photograph i mean it, it, the, the the photographer that worked with john nara on um the faith of graffiti you see those kids are kids those yeah. are some prepubescent dudes in the pictures it's like whoa the culture was really really young you know Fresh-faced kids, you know. Nobody had a beard or anything. Well, I think it, I, I mean, listen. I don't know. I, I don't know shit about Washington Heights in the seventies, but I think the younger you looked, the, the the more you flew under the radar. Well, to some degree, but then again, you know, it was there was, was a lot of juvenile delinquency, and, and New York was a you know in in a, a kind of a rough period. Oh yeah, you know? it was a freaking war zone. Yeah, it was a fucking yeah, it was a war zone. It was. The, the, I mean. It, it, People, life was the quality of life was was like day and night. You know, I mean, back then you wouldn't want. It's like no one would ever think about moving into the Lower East Side. You moved out of the Lower East Side. You don't go there. You know, no. it was it was people were getting thrown off rooftops. You know, it just was not user friendly. It was like a place to get out of. So by the by the age of fifteen, it was dark. It was it was it was gangs. Uh, uh, violence, drugs, a lot of heroin, a lot of you know, people ODing and, and like on, in front of my door, you know, like in, in, in yeah, I grew up in the Jacob B's houses, and I remember like stepping over on my mother, like like bringing some some cat who had OD'd back to life with you know like icing him or something, like she she cut you know like like hit him with like an ice tray like down his shirt and stuff like, that. and she brought him back. But that's what the Lower East Side was like. It now, was, B- Biker, on your tours, you 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 blew my mind with some facts about the you know the the, the classes of people that were unfor- you know unfortunately forced down there after. Oh well, 
Well, but that's again. That's why the guy. That's why the artists end up there, though, because it was a place you could. Yeah, yeah, affordable. Affordable. You could create your own world. Right. And for years, the police kind of just circled on around the outsides. Right. It was like the DMZ. <laughs> you know, they were yeah. they were afraid to go there. Like, no, yeah, you go but, there. I mean, if you go even further back, you're talking about like the most populated place on the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the people. The, and so it's always had this history. What year was the Lower oh, East Side most popular? Like five Between points 1880 days. and 1920. And then mm-hmm. they passed the immigration law of 1924, which is the first time we require people to have papers. And then you've got abandoned buildings. Right. And it was still abandoned until the 60s, 70s. And you could, you know, basically move in. Yeah. And, but you were living in hell. Yeah, it was. I mean, and and we lived in the see in the '60s. It was really kind of nice in the yeah. projects. It was. It really was a, a very well. They were newer buildings still. Yeah, there were newer buildings, and 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 there wasn't this the, the kind of urban blight that that really struck the Lower East Side in the you know like in the '70s. The '70s was was yeah. a big turnaround. The quality of life went you know from 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 acceptable to completely unacceptable i remember like i always tell people the story i was living in connecticut at the time right and my best friend's dad was one of these i'll scare you straight guys oh so cool. he would pile us into a woody station wagon back in the day when you have the seats that face backwards yeah yeah the, and we'd the all woody. be in the back and he'd drive us like down the bowery like you don't want to end up like this and you'd stop at a stoplight and people would be banging on the window for money and shit. Yeah. And you'd yeah. see guys literally hovering over Sterno on the side. I mean, it was not some place I can't imagine wanting to be there for any reason. Yeah. My first trip to, I'll never forget this, went, came into school for a class trip and we walked around and I, was, I learned that bums use newspaper to clean windshields. Yeah, that was yeah. my that was yeah. my first Lower East Side experience as, a, yeah, yeah. as an Italian from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> my mom cooked at home. We didn't go out a lot. <laughs> I hung out in the neighborhood. That was my first Lower East Side. I was call it. It was grade, well, it was grade. it was dangerous to go to the yeah. to, to the Bowery. I mean, you you can like end up getting like sliced by a, a bottle or something. It, it was, was very yeah. dangerous. Of course, it, we thought it was absolutely cool. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, you're it was, twelve, thirteen. You know. You're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was appropriate for like you know like the, the like the scene the CB scene and 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 that the, were you a part of that the music the music, music yeah I was I well? was involved in music but a little later than say like you know the New York Dolls and stuff like the people that made that area kind of infamous you know um, yeah I mean but I was I started playing music professionally in I think in around eighty eighty one. So by then it was a little bit different. It had CB's had had been established as a a venue. Max's yeah. Max's was on its way out, I think, by then. Um, but I had seen shows at an earlier age at both both places. I think I I I believe it was Johnny Lydon that one time we went in there during the day and he was leaning up against a cig- wearing a kilt, leaning up against the cigarette machine <laughs> during, the, during the day. It's like, is that John? Yeah, I think it was him. Anyway, uh, but it was, yeah, so it was a little, uh, by the 80s, it, it, the early 80s, it was slightly a different uh, a different uh, flavor than, say, like, the, you know, Johnny Thunder's days and stuff like that. So wh- what year was it, would you say, about when it wasn't purely about the culture coming up, now it was about the culture coming in? 
Now it was about the outside influence, the newspaper coverage. I think or- probably into the mid '80s is really when things started to like you know, you started feeling it. It's starting to. Are you, are you talking about about the, the Bowery and and the music scene or the, yeah, the, the, the graffiti? The, the, art co- the whole the, the whole the whole world. I think it was uh, yeah. It's all. I think it was in the mid '80s that that things start to to, to you know. I mean, it's. It becomes more, uh, uh, more of a focal point for for media and and for other uh, outside people getting ideas from all this kind of you know grunginess. And it becomes it starts to become a little bit like uh oh you know they're on our tails they've they've spotted us kind of. See now I'm I always look at the uh, the moment in time and I look at the companies around who seized the opportunity who, or who jumped on it and rode the wave. Right. So I'm 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 tying two and two together. This is right at MTV's inception. Oh, absolutely. This is Yo MTV mm-hmm. Rap stage. Yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is culture coming up over to everyone. It was like music television alone, and then the the pop radio, and then you know crazy touring and things like that. And then and, you know you get the whole club kids and all that too. In the right, 80s right. That changed but I think it was everything. always the club scene because you go you go back uh, Fab Five Freddy Blondie stuff from the mid seventies. The you difference know? is well, it was that somewhere in the eighties, kids in Dallas, Texas <laughs> were hearing about it, and in the seventies we didn't. My parents right, moved me to Texas right. in seventy nine. Really, you, you were in, in, te- in Texas. So I was in Texas for a good part of the '80s, and by '84, we start hearing about Blondie things like that become. I don't want to say more mainstream, but it's hitting a whole level. It's hitting like it's becoming international as opposed to just like a New York scene. Right. I think once Sire Records got in there, it started things. Things started opening up, and and th- and a, a lot of bands started. Getting a little more, uh, you know, they were get, getting more circulation and stuff like that. Uh, the Ramones, the Ramones opened things up as well, because uh, they hit main. They they're the one that like opened up the mainstream doors for. I mean, they got played on the radio. Yeah, they got played and they got played um, internationally and and there was you know there was a, a there was a lot of buzz around the Ramones and stuff. I remember seeing the Ramones play at, at the Palladium. I mean, we trying to get trying to get in all night, all night. We were, I mean, for like an hour, we're trying to trying to sneak in or, or 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 bug our way in, you know. And finally, some some one of the door guys let me in, and we went upstairs. And Heart was opening for the Ramones. Wow. Oh, Heart. sweet! Wow. Heart was opening. Oh. For them. She's like one of the best <laughs> guitarists was, they're, they're in the world. They're insane. It was yeah. nuts. Uh, but could you imagine? But it was so. It was post like like uh, classic rock. And yeah. at this point, the Ramones are, are, are the, the, the top biller, right? So it was, things were changing. John, did you know that one of the staples of punk music coming up is that there are no solos? No, I didn't know that. Mm. See, I'm learning something every day here. Uh, we, that's what we educate the, we educate the people. Well, there you go. Here. You know, you don't think about it, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, like, it's, like, it's almost like a... a, a a response or a reaction against, say, something like prog rock. So there's no, like, mm. you know, that kind of virtuosity. So we, solos included, right? That's, That's <laughs> it. I never, you know, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I, I guess I noticed, but I, I didn't really, it didn't. <laughs> Little things like that. It's less about the BPMs. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta yeah. be angry. You gotta I be fast. 
And no solos. Forceful. And yes. BPMs. That's right. it. <laughs> so, okay, so now we're, uh, we're working through the years, John. We're late 70s, early 80s here. Bike Girls in Texas. Yeah, sadly. Al is uh, entering the professional music scene, learning, learning from the, that side. So now what happens? What happens, uh, you know, mid-80s in terms of Right, at the same 80s? time, at the same time, uh, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's getting harder and harder to make a living in, in the music biz. So I, I, started, I started working in construction, so, and I kind of, um, you know, it's, I mean, it was like part and part, so I was only doing it, I, but I record, I, I managed to, to record for, uh, for, with a, a few different groups, which was really kind of probably the, the highlight of, of my, my career was, was going in the studio, recording, seeing that whole process done. Now, are you the type of artist that just, and I don't mean just, but simply needs, needs to create, needs to get something out of you, or, or were you intentionally driven towards away from the graphic arts and I was, writing I wanted to, to do that. It's just that I, was, I wanted to explore the music, right? It's not that I... Because I never stopped doing uh, visual stuff. I, I mean, that's just something I've been doing since I was a child. So it was just something that I wanted to explore. I wanted to, to be able to at least... I don't. I wasn't like gifted like in in playing percussions, but I wanted to be able to at least hold a beat and and make something sound good. And then I later started playing with with multi track recording and stuff like that. I eventually sold a piece of music to Palabolas, the dance company, which was cool. Oh, yeah. But I I uh, yeah. So I I wanted to 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 explore that because I thought that I could actually do something cool, and I I guess I did. I you know. I, I did that for a while, and then, um, and then I it just kind of kind of fizz, fizzled out. Just over by the end of the eighties, I think I was kind of over it. Then I started. Well, and music changed drastically. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and then you know, just life was was you know, it's just it wasn't as easy as it was to to have the time and, and the luxury of just you know making music and you know. Start. It's, I wanted to travel. I wanted to do other things, so I did that. So, so do you feel? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Do you feel that you've had kind of defined chapters throughout? You know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, chapters and 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 periods of. Okay, there was the music, and then and then there was uh, time when I I was I started working with with. I mean, because working as a, as a carpenter, I started making stuff out of wood, but like. You know, like sculptural or toys or whatever, but three three dimensional things. Mm-hmm. So I st- I did that for throughout the uh, the early nineties, and then uh, and and then I and then I did I, I was I had a a girlfriend who was a a fashion designer, and she kind of uh, she kind of got me to to start drawing again. So I started doing a lot of drawing and, and um, cartoon kind of stuff comic sort of stuff so i did that for a while and i still have some of those drawings some of those drawings are actually pretty good i i'm just kind of holding off on on publishing them but because um, I, I eventually would like to publish them because they're actually pretty good and i've saved a bunch save of them for a spare room in the next solo show That'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah. Talk them off to the side stuff that nobody's ever yeah, seen. yeah but it's stuff that i'm and it's yeah and it really is quality enough to show it's not like you know doodle stuff some of the stuff was actually 
quite quite good. I, I was I if I and I'm sort of a harsh critic, especially to my on myself. So I, I would if I would show them, then they they must be all right, you know. <laughs> all right, so let's jump around a little bit. When uh, when did you get the <laughs> the, uh, the the stroke of inspiration to use the wet paint signs? All right, that was in two thousand and nine. I think I could pretty much pinpoint it. I, I had, I mean, I always liked those signs. I was like, damn, those are nice. You know, the, the, the font is nice. I forgot the name of that of that particular font, or, or uh, face t- typeface, or whatever. And I just started saving them. And I said, well, I'm going to do something with these things. So I had, I had a couple of dozen around, and then I started just. I naturally cut them up. I was like, okay, we're going to make like a like a Scrabble tiles or something out of these things. And uh, and you know and I played around with them and and there was not much that you could do with one sign, so I I started using multiple signs to uh, create words, and uh, and then I think I I started using a a um, a, uh, a anagram generator from online, and I I, I uh, created a few maybe nine hundred words, a few hundred words. And uh, that's where, yeah. Can you get every letter and number out of the way I you can't. Do it? No, it's a it's constrained alphabet. And then right. this is this is. I mean, first of all, it was so first. I, I worked the with wet paint. Letter that's missing. The, well, well, there's a couple. <laughs> you start real, especially O. O is a is a, a, word, a letter uh, that there's use, no O I mean, train. So right? There's no zero you. train. <laughs> the, but the O is one of those that yeah, it's hard to work around it. Yeah. H. K is missing. There used to be a K train at one time, in in, in, in probably in, in, into the early sixties. There was. I've never the, ridden a K. The K no. train. It was near That's the near J city line. History that I've missed. So it's like was, I think the K was it stopped. Like the side somewhere, like the old Myrtle, the piece that goes possibly, across. Possibly, possibly. It, 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 it might was, have been it, like the the rush hour for that, like the Z. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like the Z. Exactly. Because I think that that. It 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 uh, passed through Bowery, which is an old J, and, and the right. M used to run. The M used to actually run with the with the uh, in that in that. Um, well, on Bowery's that track. a big station for just one train. Line. It used to be four tracks. They yeah. they closed it off. You could only see two tracks now. But it, I remember I used yeah. to spray paint there in the in the early seventies. Me and AFX two used to. That was our home layup, and it was like close enough to my house that if if we got chased, I could run home. You know? <laughs> Seriously. Also, they had a skylight. The grating on Delancey Street right. would go there during the day, during the day layup. And it had good ventilation and wonderful lighting. You'd be working in, with sunlight. You know, it's like a, a studio with skylight. <laughs> so that was our, our, our uh, one of our favorite, favorite layups, the daytime layup. Now, John, uh, as you know, most of our guests get a nice sold mag bag with some little goodies in it. Yeah. But this one's special. Why? Because Erica and I have been saving wet paint signs for Al. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. This is wonderful. I, 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 can, I can't have enough of these things. I have, you know, I, Erica, I, have, I keep hundreds, time, literally hundreds. Well, there, hundreds. there's a bunch more for you. And every time Erica yells wonderful. at me, he said, this station's got him. This is, oh, yeah, Im- this is yeah. immensely, have, immensely appreciated. Seriously. Me too. Anytime we've been on this train platform. You guys really know, know how to That's how what to, Sold Magazine does is we keep the arts moving <laughs> forward. Exactly. 
collection. How long did it take we you to know build that collection? Our artist preference. That's at least six months. At least six. About least six, six months. months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. lovely. And <laughs> oh, then we were probably both with her. At, I know. At some like, point, we were all with yeah. her Just at one snatching, occasion. Snatching web pages. Every time we see him. The thing <laughs> is that it's. I mean, I have yet right, and this has been quite. A, this is this is a, a, a few years. I've been nine years. I've been doing this. I have yet anyone tell me, "Hey, put that back." <laughs> well, you're saving some dude like, at the station like, has, you know, have to pick up trash. I usually even even cops. I've done it in front of cops, and they just look at you like this dude's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's crazy. He wants all the wet paint. Now, the thing that I wonder will if there's get even you, a charge for that. I'm sure there's a charge for that. But. Probably it's hey. not, well. You own probably only if you take it while the paint's wet, right? Right. Because then it's annoying. It's, it's like you, you know, it's criminal you're, mischief you're, or then, something. You know, right. if you wait till after the paint's dry, you can just say, you know what? I'm just, just trying to help out. At, you are. You're actually I'm providing a service to because it's going to end up in the garbage. Mm-hmm. So or yeah. on the tracks and cause a fire. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I'm or just make a mess. So this is like they probably appreciate it. Like, okay. Good, guardian angel that. job right I should wear a red beret when I do it <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> you really should <laughs> now, with, a, with a raccoon tail hanging up <laughs> then the cops really will be looking at you like what's this crazy ass dude I got a good I got a yeah, anyway no I'd have to physically show you what I, I, I saw a demonstration of uh, the uh, guardian angels did this really weird thing one time I was in a train but I looked up and down the train and they were all squatting by the doors at the same time <laughs> with their hands all of them had their, one hand on, on their like right or left shoulder and they looked left looked right and then they all got back but it was it was all in tandem wow. it was so nuts I think I would have switched cars it's like these guys had rehearsed this thing yeah. it's like whoa <laughs> so weird yeah yeah, well, no, the the doors open at like Smith and Ninth. One, of the, it's like a one a station where you could see you have a view like that. Right, you see the whole right, train. It's up on platform, and you see like yeah. like twelve of them. Like they all like, they all like squatted like and they put their hand on it was like this military thing and they they put their hand and they looked left and then right and then they stood back it was like you know like a Maori haka dance <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Anyway. All right, John, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen on the subway? Go. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, just someone oh, sitting in someone's crap, and then they just sat there the whole time. Even, and even though I told them oh, you're sitting in geez. crap, and they didn't move. And I was like, oh, you probably oh, should. <laughs> Jesus, yikes. Right, yeah. girl? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I mean, it's not really the strangest, because every once in a while you'll see guys go between the cars to take a crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's just kind of normal. Um, sh- Wait, you're not supposed to do that? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but you're not supposed to wear shorts in February. Wait, John, was the True. guy sitting in your crap? Oh, yeah, I didn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sorry, I just took a crap there. You might not want to sit there. I just took a I mean, I think the strangest to me is what people think they can bring onto the subway. People move their lives. You'll see one dude like trying to get a sofa onto the freaking train, I and s- it's one guy. I, I've seen people take tre- like like big like trees onto the subway. Yeah, I, I mean, saw a guy with a mattress on the on the subway. Yeah, one. it's oh, the yeah. weird yeah. random stuff that people yeah. are moving. I think more than the way they behave. Yeah, because I've, I've seen sex on the Long Island Railroad, and you just don't want it. I mean, that's not something you right, see. right, 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 right. Coming back from a Yankee game one time, I saw a woman get mad at her boyfriend, 
Start beating him up and straight up knock him out and splay him out on the floor. Wow. Woo. Yep. Wow. <laughs> she knocked the, the train was him moving. out. Yeah. Damn. Bounced him, couple of good body shots, doubled him over, uppercut it. He didn't even see it coming. I, I saw a rat get on the train one time. I have seen that. Yeah. It's funny watching people yeah. start standing up on the seats. This one guy <laughs> just stepped it flat on it, and he starts laughing, and the rat went... And ran out back, right, right back. But the rat was waiting for the train. It, it, I mean, it might as well have had like a briefcase. It was just waiting for <laughs> or an umbrella, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna make the obligatory rat race joke. It's just it's not named that for nothing. <laughs> One time, I pulled the guy. I, I saved the guy's life. I did, and it was. It, I, I almost fainted because it was so saving stories. It was yeah. so intense, man. The dude was hanging by the strap of his backpack. Off one of those hooks between the two cars. Oh. I will I our one car that has the those right. weird uh, things yeah, that yeah. connect. You know, it's like so he somehow his backpack was was holding him. He's between. He's drunk as, as I mean, drunk out of his oh mind, and he's hanging from the thing. I saw. I was looking up. I saw. I'm looking. You know, I see that he's coming from one car to the next. The doors are closed, but I saw him, and then I didn't see him. And I said, oh, shit. So I opened the door, and there he is hanging between the two cars. Oh, my God. I pulled him out, of, and people are looking. And the, and the people saw this happen. And then one guy comes, you know, after I pull him out and help me bring him into the car. And, they, and, and, and I was so shook up. People came up to me and said, are you okay? The guy was like yeah. totally – he didn't even know what happened. All right. He, I'm, I'm going to go next. Get your story of saving somebody's life ready, John. I was getting off a bus <laughs> – in Naples, Italy. Yeah. This lady was not looking. She got off the bus in front of me. She looked right. The bus started pulling away. And if I didn't grab her by the back of her beefy head, it would have been all over for this lady. <laughs> I grabbed her by the head. I had nothing. Right, right. Just reached for what instinct. comes first. Yeah. And she thought it's I was instinct. trying to beat her up or whatever. And she didn't even realize. Because then she turns around. She still didn't see the bus. The bus is gone. Then she just thinks I'm just trying to grab her. Right. But go ahead, John. That's mine. Well, mine was actually skydiving, and I was uh, I was going to be it was at twenty thousand feet, but it was, so it wasn't that high. But I was about, we were about to jump out, and the guy behind me, um, he, he all of a sudden he wanted to go, but he was about to jump out, but he didn't have, he didn't have his uh, parachute on. <gasps> so I I grabbed him. I'm making this shit up. I didn't save anybody's ah! life. Twenty thousand. Not that high. I mean, I don't. Who has a story about saving someone's life all the time? I don't have one. So. I love it. This, this story would have been great, man. Well, first of all, first of all, first of all, he had me. I was captivated. I was totally, I, I was sold it. on it. I was like, I okay. I was, I'm thinking, well, Job maybe 20,000 feet is considered kind of low for a skydiver. Yeah. <laughs> great. Bike girl, you got any one? life-saving stories? Yeah. Um. I well, you know, if you're a tour guide for any amount of time, you've pulled at least one stupid high school kid from somewhere else in the world right, right, right. from getting hit by a bus. Mm. Yeah. So, Norwegian yes. kids, it must be really safe to walk in Norway because we get a couple of groups of them every year, and they'll just step right out in front of buses. Maybe the buses just stop over there. I guess. Mm. Like, oh, I always tell people, someone's you know, in the you, way. You can play chicken <laughs> with a lot of things in New York, but you should never play chicken with a bus. Never. You know, I, I one time I was standing outside in, in, on the Second Avenue bus, uh, out in front of the High School of Art and Design, and, I, and you know, we were stoned out kids, and I had my foot like forward, 
and the bus rolled over my foot, but it didn't crush. And it, it was, I don't know how. It just kind of just rolled over my foot slow. And I'm just like looking at it, the bus, the tire going over my foot. And I was like, oh, nothing oh. happened. Nothing hmm. happened. Do not try this at home. Do not try no. exactly. Does this not is, yeah, suggest this, putting your foot on the bus. I was like, damn, that bus. It's got some good suspension on it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Use the things in good health. Please keep creating and doing what you do. Where is Samo going? Samo is going all over the place. That's it's, right. But it's but it's it's basically what's happened is this. This is a this is a complex situation. Okay, last okay. I, first of all, I, I I the reason I it, I brought back Samo was not only because I couldn't say what I wanted to say with a constrained alphabet, which is what I have with my wet paint signs. But because of the fact that I was, oh, there's a, you know, a couple of generations have passed and all this misinformation has been, has proliferated about, around SAMO. And I wanted to clarify it. It's like people, you know, there's an entire generation of people that, young people that will, you know, that, that, we're like, oh, yeah, same old, Basquiat, Basquiat, same old. And I'm like, so, okay, so you make that association, but what's your favorite same old? And they have no clue because they, the, the idea that there was a message attached to the same old was not even, they had no clue that that even was a, a factor there. It's just same old Basquiat, which is almost mindless, like, you know, you put it one, one thing to the other, but not knowing what that is. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was because I was the co-creator and it is still, you know, my creation, um, I felt it was my obligation to clarify that and to define it. And, and, so, so, and so it became more, a little more popular again over the, 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 the year, a year before, for about a year before the Basquiat estate decided that they wanted to file for copyright ownership. And they did this without ever coming and speaking to me about this. And this is, and even they will admit that this is a really well-documented fact, that it was a collaboration between the two of us. So I got wind of it like two days after their copyright um, application was was put in because I I happen to have a a sort of a watchdog that looks out for this sort of thing and sure enough I went to to uh, to a uh, a a lawyer friend of mine who happens to be Eisenberg of Eisenberg and Baum the the fellows who got the the five points ruling and he's an old yeah he's an old friend of mine we you know we go back to the late 80s so, so they on spec have t- have you know taken my my uh, if if there's any litigation on this case. I also have a copyright lawyer in Chicago. So uh, so what we've done is we've filed for my own app, uh, ownership, you know, and as well for a petition against the Basquiat Estates um, request. So I have both those things and. We're not. It's it, there's no deposition yet or any litigation, but we're we're now toe to toe. We have they are they went ahead and they without owning Samo licensed a Samo that actually has my handwriting in it 
to Stance Socks. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, yes. Dude, yeah. So I showed it to my lawyer. My lawyer says, oh, this is bad. Ka-ching. Oh, but this is good bad. Ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Because they they, they did it. They they did what – it's infringement of – you know, it's an infringement. And it also shows they They don't have a clue about what they They actually have as far as Okay, this gets better. Uh, the lawyer, so they so they send a, le- a letter of inf- of infringement. Like you guys, you know, right. you're Cease using my desist, image right. to. So okay, all right. So what does Stance Stance hands it over to the Basquiat State, saying that this company called uh, uh, Art Star is basically you know a cover organization for the Basquiat State to to license stuff, but they don't own it. So, meantime, the, the lawyer says, oh, I know what we'll do. We'll divvy up the Samos. If it's, in, if it's Basquiat's hand, and like, you guys have absolutely zero idea what a collaboration is. It's not like you, can, you, can, you can't isolate Abbott's jokes from Costello's jokes. It doesn't work like that. It's like it's a conversation. It's a, it's a back McCartney. and forth. So yeah, right. Lennon McCartney, they, whatever. There's so many collaborations to to use as an example. No. So that was their his first offer. Like, oh, we'll bring. I, I and I told him blatantly that is never going to work. That is not going to work. We, we're not going to do that. So we're. I'm waiting for you know, for a response right now. So that's what that's in terms of of uh, legalities. That's where Samo is at. But besides that, I had to, as a result, go into my own commercial ventures and make like merch, merch that's connected with, you know, that has like the same old logo because I have to show that I'm, you know, actively pursuing, forward, right? pursuing right. this to, to have grounds for copyright ownership, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then you get flack from people, oh, but now you're commercial. It's like, you know what, dude, if anyone's going to collect on it, it's going to be me. It's not going to be some big corporation sure. you know, that, I, that I'm going to want to kidnap their children and shoot their dog in the head after they take my shit. Well, right? beyond right. that, after all these years, if they're going to accuse you of wanting to make a little bit of money at this point. Right. I'm, I'm 59 screw. years old. I'm not like, you know, this is not like, you know. This is when you should be. This is what should pay for you to enjoy the rest of your life. You right. work right. hard it's, for it's, it. So it's, it, it's so it, the whole thing is enraging. But, I, you know, at this point, that's why I've I've I've. I'm trying to do this through through legal channels, through the you know trying to be patient and 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 level headed about it. All right, now let me ask this question the right way. It's going to sound ridiculous, but did you ever think running around with these guys in the '70s that you would be litigating against one of your boys' estates that just sold? Of course not. That would be the. the, I I didn't even get to the good stuff yet. That one of your boys' estates that just sold on the secondary market one piece for a hundred and ten million dollars. Right? Could that right. have ever crossed your mind back no, then? No, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It was that was like the furthest thing because we were in the moment, right? We were doing it. We, it wasn't like this is a planned activity. Like what well, we're gonna, we're you know, we're gonna get you know people to invest in this. Thing. There, it, there was nothing like, like it. Just it was. We were just renegades, like you know. Just doing our thing. It it's was, like the whole thing about getting up and tagging when you were young right. Too, it was right? A, you just, it was the spirit yeah. of of you know of of wild abandon. Not, not not there was no there was no like planning involved. You know? oh, forget just, about the dollar amount on that, John. Uh, but that was the most valuable piece of art that was ever created after 1980. By an American, or the sixth yes. most expensive no, 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 no. painting no, no. sold. It was the most auction. by an American. Right. It was the most by an American ever, and the most by a piece of art that was created after 1980. More expensive than Pollock, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and yes. 
So those two facts, just after 19... I was alive in 1980. Hold on. This guy was running around the streets when I was a kid. And hold on. He grew up a couple miles... And hold on. 110 million a couple of transactions later? That's got to be mind-blowing. It's fucking... It's crazy. It's, it doesn't make sense almost. It's just insane. But that's what happened. But that, that's, what the, that's what the consumer culture wants to digest. This isn't like we're, we, the scene or the, the graffiti at any point was ever trying to shove it down people's throats. You took it whether you wanted it or not. Whether you liked it, who gave a shit? Right, 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 right. So now feeding someone that's saying, hey, can you hit this for me or can you, can you, can you, must be interesting. Well, yeah. I mean, people, you know, want to just appropriate anything that, that has anything to do with, you know, a, a Basquiat. You know what? In a sense, it's it's made it's uh, it's it's lubricated my my um my my career. The fact that I have an association with him. I mean, I can't deny that. It's it sure. absolutely has. So you know but but everything but it's just it's too much too because it becomes you know it it, it gets diluted as well it totally gets diluted you know so Samo's going places we're going to keep it moving you're keep going in different areas not only for the litigation issue but also because it seems like the right time and it's working so where if if you had to dip your toe into something that you haven't done before something new Where's where's that comfort level at this point? Well, I'm doing something that that I, I that I'm starting to use the 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 elements of I mean the the letters themselves as as elements of design and and doing more abstract stuff with it. So it's I mean it may have a piece of a message in it, but the way it's it, you know different size letters and stuff like that. So it's 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 a little more. Uh, it's I don't know almost like Russian constructivist looking kind of of uh, a look to to the to the, and it's using the signage as elements for drawing and for for composition more graphic so more graphic yeah so it's and then color involved so it's more it's not it's not simply sign making or you know it's now, a, do you think if you could have got the full alphabet out of the signs you would have written as long as you do when you do with I marker? I think that the challenge is that it's constrained. So it's not... It's, I think that helps keep it pure. I think, I think there'd be other people doing it as well if, if it were... No, I get that. Yeah. It's, it's attractive that the right. constraint is... I think for it, me it is it, it, because it's 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 It it's also more, makes you... You have to think. Exactly. It's more of an artistic <laughs> I mean, process. It becomes an artistic process. And that's where, that's where part of the... It's, it's not simply sign making or, or making or, or saying something. It's, there's this whole ritual, this whole intellectual thing that's going on. So it becomes, you know... See, what, what I like a, about... Artistic the, process. What I like about the full SAMO uh, expressions is it's... This is what you think you are or this is what society is thinking you are. It's it making the person think about what you're saying because it's saying this is either for you or it's not for you. And so the person has to sit back and say, am I am that? Am I that? <laughs> am I that? <laughs> yes. That's it's not as literal. I, I always look at it for the for the for the, oh, oh, that's that's one of, me. Oh, no. That is absolutely a deliberate, <laughs> uh, deliberate factor. It's like, am I that? <laughs> and I ask that of myself as well. So, uh, you know, it doesn't exclude Would you say you put, up, you put up more things that are about you or not about you? I think it's not that it's about me, but it's that I probably am guilty of that as well, you know. Same so because people. I think I think people, 
I think people are, you know, I mean, are, are multifaceted. We do stuff that, you know, maybe it's not something that you, that, that you, that's a, a major part of your character, but it, you're, you know, capable of doing all sorts of stuff and, and stuff that's, that you don't, that doesn't sit right with us, you know? I mean, I like where you go into, I mean, I don't want to say something as silly as I like when you go into political topics, but when, you know, the feeding the war and, you know, things like that, you know, that, that's, it's not just poignant because I feel like you could have dropped that stuff in the 80s or the 90s too. I feel like this country's always been spending no money on war and there's always been somebody upset about it, but today's a little different. You know, today it needs to be said and today you're saying it and I think it's being picked up by the right voice, by the right ears. That's that's a good thing because there's see I mean it's there's like a definitely a general apathy in in you know in this like I hate to to be like you know the, like pick on generations but it just seems like that there's you know there needs to be more awareness with the y- younger folks you know like because it's just like there's so many distractions is the problem like a, a, like a, we have a planet full of distractions. And like people Street. are just fucking staring into their goddamn fucking devices, and it's just... And it's all 10-second sound bites. Yeah, that's that 10-second sound bites. So, but when you have a conversation with, with a, with a uh, you know, a, a, like a lot of people, a lot of young people, it's like they just make these, like, like sound bite associations about stuff, you know? Oh, Warhol, yeah, factory. Uh, and it's, and it's, it, it's, it starts to sound like, like mm. it's just like, like chaotic, you know, like snippets and you don't really know anything about one thing and you can't have a conversation about any one thing or you know it's like buzzwords you know and it's a little frightening see now i'm not gonna say like i personally have been here forever i'm here because of erica and she was a photographer and she loved street art and pulled me into it and we're fans and we love the culture and you know five years later you know i feel like we know some people but it's not like anyone should come and do anything and feel like they're the man. And I feel like your work is, is actually, it's, it's self-effacing in a lot of it. You're putting, your, you're putting an insecurity out there. You're putting a, hey, this, I wish this was a little different. And people don't get that today. And that, that, I think, could be the younger generation as well, John, because the younger generation is forced to snap decisions. I like it, I don't like it. I know it, I don't know it. If I know it and I like it, I should know a little bit about it, but then I'm going to go back and do what I do. Thumbs up. Thumbs, Thumbs up, up. <laughs> double tap. Right. No, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it, it just scratches the surface. You don't get to the. You, they don't actually take ingest it and no. kind of. That's that's so yeah. That's, that's what exactly it's what I'm saying. And you right. say and it's, it literally it, is. It's a bit it's, more articulate. But I feel like I'm it, five years in. I'm still scratching. It's the surface. just it's and it's a little frightening. Because it really is the Sesame it's like, Street. You know, it's like we, we need. Yeah, we need to you know like absorb the encyclopedia if you want to learn about something. You know. It, it, live it you know and not just you know get 10 sound 10 second sound bites about something and think that you've experienced it because you haven't now john it just again i i i john was a educator and is an educator because i know i ask him questions about it but when do you think that changed was it the social media days early 2000s or was it earlier than that with well, I actually think it has more to do with even the age. I taught kindergartners, so yeah, I think when they're when they're still young and at you know five years old, they actually have in some ways uh, a larger attention span than you know people as they get older because they they can sit and you know read a story with you and that kind of thing. And so I don't think it's necessarily something that has to do with um, with different devices and things that are being used. It's just 
how they're being used as you get older and your you know what what your focus becomes as you're getting older i think it's probably around teenage years that then all of a sudden you shut off and you get more focused on that and i mean there's still that limitation for certain you know kids that they're going to be just looking at their ipad or whatever and not um engaging not engaging but i i don't i don't know i think it's it i I think it has less to do with, with um the time that we're in and more about the the kids and just their their normal growth and then what's what they're exposed to i don't know if that makes sense but it does no i hear you because i i'm trying to think whether uh you know street art is obviously for the uh you know the short attention span because you can like an artist and you're likely going to like his latest piece if it's not too far from the last piece if you're a fan of that work you don't have to know this i mean i, I and agree it's or very disagree ephemeral. that's right it makes you feel yeah. <laughs> So that's why I think with with the same old text, I think you're you're not you're not when you don't paint a picture, you force the person who's reading it to paint their own picture. And what pictures are kids painting in their minds today that we're not? That fascinates me. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I mean I think there's definitely something more to it. If you are, you know, you're using words and you've you're something of a wordsmith with the way that you actually put out the words that you're you know writing on the walls and everything so it's so it 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 engages you on different levels because of even just the the flow of the words and how you're actually putting it out there that and you don't have as you say you don't have that image to to basically tell you what's going on it's like a, a cliff's notes version of you know the words they have you have to actually ingest it and think about it so i don't know i think the it, the fact that it doesn't have a, a image to go with it makes you Makes you um, up your language game more so because you you want to you want to evoke some sort of image. Well, and it stimulates mm-hmm. a different part of the brain. It does, and I mean you know being coming being who who I am, what generation I am. I mean we we read and you learn to uh, this thing called reading comprehension. <laughs> <laughs> reading is fundamental, but it's also. It's like you know when you learn, uh, read poetry and stuff like that at a young age. You 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 know you start to, you learn. It's a learned thing to 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 create a picture in your mind. You know to to illustrate with your brain. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we just using just words as a stimulation. So you just kind of. So it's it's a yeah it's, a, it's something. So you started. I'm just doing the math. You you said you started. Uh, you br- Re uh, brought Same Old to the Streets in 2009, which was before. No, no, 2016 for oh, Same Old. Got it. It was the the uh, nine the was wet this, paint was the wet signs, paint, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was initially just wet paint signs, and then I started working with street artists in 2000, late 14 or 15. I think it might have been 15. We started uh, working together, me and Jilly Ballistic, and she. I was doing these basically captions for her images. So that stimulated the, the need for uh, more letters because I was like, eh, I can't do this with just a wet paint sign. So uh, naturally, it was the subway, and the subway letters were, you know, they were there for the taking. So literally, literally, literally. So at this point, I generate my own because I have to write every line to get it. Yeah, but so, but that's what what prompted that. Would you say, or how would you say that you? Ch- so two thousand nine, wet paints came back or were invented. And how would you say that you changed, or did you change with social media? Um, I had to. It's it's the old, uh, you know, uh, 
what's I forgot the expression, but it's it's about stay, keeping up with 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 what's going on or getting out of the way. Is yeah. the, the, and it's about that. It's about utilizing uh, what's being used now. So it's it's just staying with the times, really. And evolving. it's evolving. It's totally evolving, and it's 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 you know it's a good tool. It's a very good tool. Was but were all the changes you made post process like after the piece went up? Then you took a picture and went up, or did I you think, think it about started. It I, I kind of yeah, it was kind of a gradual thing. It, it 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 evolved as well, but it was I, I no actually my first early 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 uh, wet paint signs were were I photographed them but I didn't I wasn't posting them as much but I did photograph them I was documenting them and then I started to 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 really you know use social media but I had to kind of learn it you know so it wasn't immediate but it was I I may have wanted to do that because I did actually document it. And back when I was writing graffiti, when I was, you, you know, I mean, I could have photographed more more graffiti when I was younger. I could have because I I had I often had a camera. So it's so yeah. I think there was more. It was it was definite. There was some some design in in there, like thinking that maybe this will you know this will end up being posted or something. And then and now I do it with with you know it's, posting it is part is half the process now, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of worked up to that. Posting is a hundred percent of John's process. It drives his life. It drives his being. <laughs> he posts. No, Al, I'm not kidding. He no, posts he every could three feed hours. A baby. I do overpost, but yeah. I have lots of pictures I take of people working, and I like to share that. So. I'm not going to feel guilty about that, even though you keep bringing it up. <laughs> He's twitching because he hasn't posted. It's pathological. He's going through withdrawal. I know, right? It's like, I've got the shakes here. So, But in uh, uh, John, I must say, your your followers have grown substantially pretty quick. You are, yeah, let's talk about you, Al. No, no. We talk about everything. You're, uh, you're knocking on a nice little door, a little plateau, aren't you? Ah, coming up on 10K? Up yep, coming wow. up on nice. Yeah. Wow. At John Domine on IG, go get him, follow his stuff. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Al, before we let you go, uh, please let uh, our listeners know what your online presence is and how to find you. Okay, well, I, I have yet to update my, my uh, website, but I'm at al, uh, al-diaz.com. And... Um, my next show is in St. Louis at the Cherokee Street Gallery, and that's cool. in. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I I don't know St. Louis that well. I've only been there one time. It's a small, but it's, I mean, they've got a, that whole wall along the river of graffiti, so they actually yeah, have. A they great do have that one. I saw. I just recently yeah, saw like that mile thing. It's so pretty long. cool. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. So it's two six one seven Cherokee Street, and uh, I'm also well. Actually, today was the last day of of Beyond the Streets, but. I, I, I've been showing there, and uh, hopefully coming to New York someday. Yeah, hopefully, and, and Miami. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we're we're planning a pop up at Fifty Seven Great Jones in in late September, early October. Nice. Oh, that's yeah. going to be pretty cool. Which is uh, you know Jean Jean Michel's Basquiat's mm-hmm. old uh, haunts, and we're we're planning something there. So uh, that's cool. the most immediate stuff, and. Uh, my Instagram is Albert underscore Diaz one. Do you have Albert underscore Diaz three? <laughs> no, that's the new. That's Ooh. the other guy. <laughs> Somebody might. 
John, do we have any other questions for Al before we let him go? No, I, I thought it was great. I liked learning all about you and uh, the history of wh- and how you came to where you are now. So thank Royalty. you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're Pleasure. very welcome. Thank you, and uh, we appreciate it. We are sold out with Al Diaz. <laughs>